today is celebrated as the day of holi in india supposed to be also chaitanya mahaprabhu's birthday but i'm not too sure about that here of course we don't have holi and diwali because every day we have holi and diwali every morning we bathe in mother's manifold love many colors of her love from morning till evening and at night every day she lights up lamps of faith hope beauty so holi and diwali on separate days is not really needed at least here in the ashram context and holi also means to burn so every day we are supposed to burn with the fire of aspiration but the legends of holi are very interesting it's it's a day of unity when everybody in the evening under the influence of cannabis they meet each other and greet as brothers and next day they forget about it so god knows you know <laughs> probably only in altered state of consciousness human beings feel that others are like brothers and sisters it's a very unfortunate thing it should be the normal state so it's a day of unity and both the legends of holi interestingly connect with this they though they are very different legends one legend which is on the day previous to the holy day which is called holika dahan so the legend goes that king hiranyakashipu who, who had a strange child in his own house uh, hiranyakashipu believed and wanted to prove that i am the greatest god and so he acquired lot of powers including that he cannot be killed under this condition that condition this condition this that con- like modern scientist he had almost controlled every possible condition of death so he thought he is immortal and there can be nobody greater than him and his son believed in him as a father but he said you cannot be god god is god don't mistake or confuse the two so he was a very modern rebel child prahlad i respect my father but you can't replace god all uh, time children said oh no my father is like god but prahlad is not like that for prahlad god is god he, does, he doesn't confuse the two if there is a choice between father and god god right from those days in indian tradition this uh, this is very clear it's not duty towards parents is the highest duty no duty towards divine is the highest beyond everything else so prahlad says hari 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 and father goes to that extent that he wants to kill him so he tries all kinds of method and one method is where his own sister holika she has a interesting you know blanket must be those days space blankets you know they are very warm and they don't burn catch fire so you know she could use that blanket and not be affected by any kind of fire so she tells prahlad come let's play this game you sit in my lap so he innocent child he is symbol of the psychic being and hiranyakashipu of course is the ego so he sits in the lap of his uh, aunt maternal paternal aunt and then they light up a fire so this fire fire and you are supposed to run so this lady is using a blanket over her so she can't get burnt and they are waiting for prahlad to get burnt but suddenly a wind blows and this blanket goes up from her body and covers prahlad and prahlad is saved so of course it's a story which operates at many levels one level is very obviously that prahlad is a symbol of psychic being so nothing can kill him nothing can destroy him so there are two ways of immortality one is the natural immortality of the psychic being which prahlad represents the second is the artificial scientific way 
Hiranyakashipu wants to be immortal and he controls all the conditions of day and night weapon systems everything but eventually he dies then of course prahlad represents the new consciousness and hiranyakashipu the old consciousness the ego ridden consciousness which believes i am god even though it prays to god and does tapasya but eventually in its heart it believes i am god so it's a consciousness bound to matter and material vision so all that is there in the story but the interesting part is that unless this old consciousness the past which holika represent that is burned there cannot be unity holi is the day of unity and we have to burn this past so very often people carry such grouse inside their hearts what has happened 10 years back i don't know how they remember also what has happened 6 months back you said this you did this and they will remain lifelong sworn enemies it's this memory can be such a horrible thing it doesn't allow people to become friends to unite so past becomes a big barrier in terms of creating unity one of the really big barriers and all over we it's recognized that the past becomes a barrier in creating unity the past memories the past associations about people etc the second day also is another symbol of unity so one we have to burn away the past if we have to create unity the second day is that it's the second day when we play with colors is actually the day of krishna so the symbol is that everybody krishna has the colors and he colors everybody in different colors krishna is not like shiva shiva is white ascetic purity shiva plays with only one color that's why holi is associated also with kama dahan that day when shiva burnt away the many colors of love but in the bargain something else happened but that's a different story but krishna plays with many colors so many colors and he colors everybody so the second principle of unity is that we have to discover the central principle behind all different varieties and colors of life otherwise we cannot create unity by just uh, any kind of slogan by any kind of political etc means so um, i had thought about uh, nationalism and etc but this thought crossed my mind and it connects well with um, one of the need of the hour and that is to create unity whether in a small group or a large group at a national level mothers went on to say that if we are united we can do something shurbindo also said the same thing but just after coming here when he wrote letter to barinda that if we are united we can achieve something but if we remain scattered isolated uni- individuals then nothing much can be done same thing mother speaks of much later and she speaks of in the ashram context that we must be united it's indispensable if something has to be done of an enduring nature so one of the first experiments of the divine to create unity has been through a nation state first it is groups tribes which are united at a very biological level uh, i am born of this uh, family stock and therefore we are one now that's a very primitive kind of unity then people united with common interest egoistic interest etc then first time uh, divine creates a unit it's in a certain sense the first ashram if you want to call it nation unit tribes families clans other social groupings are very temporary units they are, they don't endure because they don't have the divine sanction they are movement of nature but nation as a sanction of the divine that's what shubindo says nationalism is simply the passionate aspiration 
for the realization of that divine unity in the nation. In unity, a unity in which all the component individuals, however various and apparently unequal their functions as political, social or economic factors, are yet really and fundamentally one and equal. So this is the basis. In fact, equality and unity has been the nara of, you know, we know the French Revolution. But Shurabindu says, why it failed? He says, because they were keen on liberty and unity, but missed out on fraternity. Whereas fraternity should be the base. Without fraternity, the sense of brotherhood, you cannot create unity and um, equality for long. It will break down. Sooner or later, it will break down. So to bring in the sense of fraternity. Now this fraternity we see so beautifully um, in Shurbindu's own life before coming here. But first before that, no monopoly, racial or heredity can form part of the nationalist scheme of the future. His dream of the day for the advent of which he is striving and struggling. We must educate every Indian, man, woman and child. So Shurbindu there is so much emphasis in the ideals of a religion and philosophy before we can rationally expect our society to reshape itself in the full and perfect spirit of the Vedantic gospel of equality. We dwell on this common sense idea here at the risk of being guilty of repetition. Education on a national scale is an indispensable precondition of our social amelioration. And this education, he, Shubindu repeatedly says, has to be on a Vedantic basis. When Shubindu spoke of the democratic ideal, so people say, ah, yes, we have been speaking this. You are not saying anything new. So Shubindu said, no, I am saying something new. Though I am speaking of democracy, the basis is different. And the basis is that the one dwells in all. Without this, democracy will eventually collapse into people who will go to the top and exploit the masses, which is what we see is happening. Today I saw a very nice uh, revelation by a scientist. One of the scientists sent a very interesting note. Uh, he has written something very interestingly. He says, for the last 20-30 years, we are grappling with the problem of um, power and uh, you know economic problem, this problem, that problem. But till date, we didn't understand the real problem. Now we understand the real problem is not economic crisis or power crisis, etc. The real problem is greed and selfishness. So at least, at least they have understood that this is the real problem. Because till we tackle it, have a system, democracy, socialism, communism, very good system. But human being is the same. He will find a way to exploit. So in practice, and this was very touching, how Shurbindo before independence days, before uh, coming to Pondicherry, even when he had realized, or rather when he had realized the vision of the one divine everywhere, how does he write, what was his state of consciousness, you know, uh, how he had lived in that state of brotherhood and equality. Now, Shabindo is being traveling all around and people are obviously taking him around and he is traveling with everyone in the normal what is called as, uh, today as a third class, those days it was third class compartment, now it's second class. So it's not only Gandhiji who traveled in third class, <laughs> but he made so much fuss about it. 
Shubhinda has done all this very quietly. So he says, I had felt a little happy that no discrimination had been made between the common and educated masses and myself. Moreover, this arrangement added fuel to the flame of my adoration of the mother, Matri Bhakti. Imagine, when Shrivindu is traveling in the general compartment with the general people, he is having a greater aspiration for the mother. He is not complaining. He is not saying, I am educated from you know Cambridge. They don't know my worth. I am ICS pass. They are just treating me like the common folk. He says, it added, increased my love for the mother, Matri Bhakti. One would wonder how. He says, I took it as a marvelous means and favorable condition for learning yoga and rising above conflicts. Anybody else in that state would say, Ah, mother, what have you put me into? But Shirvinda says, favorable conditions. He doesn't say they were harsh conditions. This is the spirit of yoga, favorable conditions. I was one of the extremists in whose view democracy and equality between the rich and the poor formed a chief ingredient of nationalism. Extremist in thought. How can there be a disparity between rich and poor? They must be equal. Shobindo believes in that. I remember that thinking it our duty to turn the theory into practice. So it's very easy to theorize you know, in universities, on armchair, in air-conditioned rooms and practice. Yes, yes, we are all equal. But the real test comes when we move with anyone and everyone. And yet inside we don't feel either the pride that look, despite being that we are moving amongst the common folk or the sense of disdain that, you know, what, what have been, been subjected to. We had travelled together on our way to Surat in the same third class. In the camp, the leaders, instead of making separate arrangements, would sleep in the same room along with the others. These were the leaders, the real leaders of, you know, who are born for that. Rich, poor, Brahmins, businessmen, Shutra, Bengali, Maratha, Punjabi, Gujarati. We all stayed, slept, ate together in a wonderful feeling of brotherhood. Not like, you know, I am Bengali, I am Odia, I am, you know, this, I am that, I am Gujarati, I have my own cloud, my own provincial spirit. Very harmful for yoga and for unity. In fact, mother said we should get rid of provincial spirit. It's very, very harmful for the, you know, collective unity. We slept on the ground. That's why when later on people even with nice mattresses would sometimes complain that you know mattress is very light or you know this problem that Shubhita would write. <laughs> what rose-petaled sadhaks all of you are. <laughs> of course, uh, it's because of mother's love. As everybody says, she spoiled us. She is so full of love that every which way she wants children to be comfortable. So, but Shirobindo, you know, writes, what rose-petaled sadhaks all of you are. You can't take even a little hardship. So he had gone through all this, slept on the same floor. We slept on the ground, on the normal, ate the normal fare. There's no special food for him. Made of rice, pulse curd. Standard food. In every way, it was 
superlatively swadishta it was superlatively he loved that rice curd and pulses i think that must be the original idea for the dining room food <laughs> uh, the foreign returned from bombay and calcutta and the brahmin born madrasi with his tilak had become one body this was something very beautiful in when i was watching this movie airlift they showed this very beautifully that in that film because of situations because of annexation of kuwait all the indians are put together in one building now they have problems how can we stay together i am a brahmin so and so is sudra how is this a different religion but they have to be together it's it's a beautiful idea that they have shown through a movie and really some of these that they were all together during my stay in the alipur jail i ate lived went through the same hardship and enjoyed the same privilege with the other convicts my fellow nationals the peasants iron monger potter the domes and the bagdis and i could learn that the lord who dwells in every body this socialism and unity this nation wide brotherhood had put its stamp on my life's dedication then he realized yes god has sanctioned my life life's dedication that's why he could put in me with all we cannot imagine even in modern context domes and bhangis people who clean the nalis and carry dirt he said when i was put with them then i realized narayana who dwells in every body and i felt it as god's stamp his sanction to my dedication somebody else would have thought god has completely abandoned me look at the beauty of his yoga he goes for the the day when before the sacred altar of the world mother in the form of the motherland all the orders of the country will stand with proud heads as brothers and of the same mind the loving kindness of my fellow convicts and prisoners as well as the impartiality of the british administrators daring the imprisonment i could feel the coming of that happy day and many a time it brought such delight and thrill who could experience delight in those conditions shurabindu could this is the trademark of a yogi it's not anything external tilak tika dressy wears what kind of stiff collar people prostrating before him none of these things how easily he can mix up with anyone and everyone look at the beauty of how easily he could stay in any condition the mother herself we know didn't have her own room so to say till almost 51 or 54 the other day i noticed that the indian social reformer from pune has ironically commented on one of my simple easy to understand statements by remarking we find an excess of godwardness in the prison so shubhendra must have written something like that he said oh this prison too much of god 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 is there where is the practical side look what shubhendra has to say alas for the pride and littleness of man alas for the pride and littleness of men seeking after renown of little learning proud of their little virtues what a powerful sentence it is alas for the pride and the littleness of men seeking after renown 
with little knowledge and little virtue <laughs> i mean if there is some knowledge and some virtue still one can understand but here the manifestation of god should it not be in prison in huts ashrams in the heart of the poor but rather in the temples of luxury of the rich or the bed of repose of pleasure seeking selfish worldly folk where would god be found this there in his one of his poems uh, mahatma not mahat ha ah, mahatma where somebody does yoga and arrives at great siddhis and he comes he comes to vyasa that i want god realizes he says god realizes you are not ready so he goes practices hatha yoga gets lot of siddhis and comes he says you are not pure enough go so he goes practices raj yoga arrives at perfect mind control sense control comes so vyasa says you are not yet ready go and find krishna <laughs> so he goes to look for krishna and shubhendra says beautifully he cast his gaze because he has got now all kinds of drishti so he first tries to find him in yudhishthir's palace but he doesn't find him there then he says must be in dwarka doesn't find him in opulent dwarka he may be with the riches rich people doesn't find him there so he doesn't know where krishna is so eventually he sees that a madcap is jumping on the hill slope so much in delight but he is not saying why he is happy he is a poor man just jumping around and there he finds krishna so he goes there rushing and says oh i have found you please come with me to vyasa i want to tell him that i have found krishna so that poor man who is a madman kicks him and all his knowledge power everything vanishes he becomes ambil like a little baby and then this madman came says come take these gifts back from me you poor fellow so all these powers which he got through tapasya he just gives them as gifts he says now for so many lives you will be a mahatma guarding the sacred knowledge till ultimately you arrive at that point where krishna returns to the world and sets this world free from atheism so it's a very beautiful so shubhendra says that where else will you find god not with the pleasure seeking selfish worldly folk but in the heart of the poor god does not look for learning honor leadership popular acclaim outward ease and sophistication what does god look for to the poor he reveals himself in the form of the compassionate mother karuna maima so he doesn't bother learning pride acclaim renown all these don't matter to him he who sees the lord in all men in all nations in his own land in the miserable the poor the fallen and the sinner and offers his life in the service of the lord the lord comes to such hearts what a yoga he has given to us he who can do it finds god there is no simpler way it so makes us so full so it is that in a fallen nation ready to rise in the solitary prison of the servant of the nation the nearness of god grows so this is how shubindu experienced these were the seeds later on of course they would go into any extent so then 
he comes back later on to he has applied it in practice so that's why when shurbindo speaks the world listens and better listen because he is not talking of some abstraction theory in an academic school picked up from here and there it's something he has applied so when he talks about the unity of the nation here he says something very interesting he says that a nation has a body it has an inner being sukshmde and it has a soul so the idea of nation soul has come even in the west some people have spoken about the nation soul that unlike an in, just like an individual nations also have their soul the mother spoke of it and she said the elite in india regard her as a goddess devi and give her a form of durga and then the mother we'll see some of the writings of shirbindo which are also reproduced in mother's collected works one of them is durga stroth portions of it is reproduced in mother's collected works as if if somebody doesn't know he would probably feel that it is the mother's writings but obviously she has noted it that you know she is a goddess so she this is a reality then the culture temperament thoughts aspirations is the inner or the subtle body and of course we have a physical body which is the geographical land but all this is fine but there is something else this is as much she speaks about civilization and culture which make the sukshma sarir of the nation this is as much a part of the mother's life as the outward existence which is visible to the physical eyes this subtle life of the nation again springs from a deeper existence in the causal body of the nation the peculiar temperament which it has developed out of its ages of experience and which makes it distinct from others these three are the bodies of the mother but within them all is the source of her life immortal and unchanging of which every nation is merely one manifestation the universal narayana one in the many of whom we are all the children so this is the first thing that he says that one has to see the mother the nation as mother so this is something very interesting that after so many decades for the first time there is a national cry for india as mother individuals have and the best part is like all things triggered by an ant biting an elephant literally by that and the elephant suddenly wakes up and everybody you know starts debating what is the basis of calling ourselves as a nation and this debate is going on it's very nice that this journey has started the country and nothing but the country is the foundation of nationalism neither the nation nor religion nothing else matters people speak of this but they miss the crucial thing all other elements are secondary and contributory it is the country alone that is primary many mutually exclusive races live in the land perhaps there never was enough goodwill unity or friendliness what is there in that to worry about when it is one country one mother there is bound to be unity one day and out of the union of many races shall emerge a strong and invincible nation our religious views may differ there might be endless conflict among the communities neither concordance nor any hope of concordance still one need not have any misgivings by the powerful magnetic attraction of the mother embodied in the country the 
unity will emerge. Now it's very interesting, long back when, you know, Shubhendu was asked about the problem of Hindu-Muslim unity and Shubhendu has written a lot about it. People have very, I must say, very, very wrongly said that Shubhendu didn't do enough for, uh, you know, Hindu-Muslim unity. No, he saw the problem stark and he said what was said and now we can see that the time has come for its fruition. He said, we don't have to worry about it. The day the Muslim will see the mother in the country, that day union, unity will take place of itself. Now a few days back, just before the day of unity holy, there was a world Sufi conference in which thousands of Muslims from all over the world had come to India. This is just about 2-3 days back. And it started with a very interesting thing. As the Prime Minister of India stood up to speak, the Muslims of the world shouted, Bharat Mata Ki Jaya. Three times they shouted Bharat Mata Ki Jaya. Now this was a spontaneous gesture. Nobody asked them and they were from different parts of the world. They, had no, they were under no obligation to even say this. So it's interesting that the vision of the mother, and many of them said, in fact, one of the Muslims spoke very powerfully in the parliament. He said, to say Bharat Mata Ki Jai is not a compulsion, it's my birthright. I'm going to say this. So it was very interesting that something is happening which goes beyond our mental calculations. And Shobindo had foreseen this day. And he had also seen the problems. There were some major obstacles regarding this natural attempt towards unity. First, the provincial differences. Secondly, the Hindu-Muslim conflict. Thirdly, the lack of a vision of the country as mother. So he said these are the three problems. Provincial spirit. At least we should get rid of this. So we should never identify ourselves with this province or that province. We should proudly say we are either world citizens or we are children of the divine mother, one mother or we are at least children of mother India. <laughs> so people get very irritated sometimes when they ask where are you from? At least I have a habit of saying from India and they say no, no, that we know but where, I said, where else? Why do you want me to specify? And then I of course say that I have travelled to every state of the country and every continent. So I can literally say that, well, I am an Indian, literally. <laughs> every state. And you discover that, that really it is the Divine Mother who is uh, manifesting as a portion of uh, Bharat Maya. And she is everywhere, the same people. There is no difference. It's just that we see outer differences, racial, this thing. And the same applies in the world. If we go, we'll say deep inside, people have the same issues, same problems, same feelings. They express it very differently. The color of the skin is different. The culture and temperament outwardly is different. But deep inside, every human being carries the same human aspiration. And then you discover the universal mother. And then of course, we are so fortunate to have even the vision of the transcendent mother and the three who are one. So these are the three problems that he said. And then he says, our chief obstacle, however, is an absence of vision of the country as our mother. The other two obstacles, provincial spirit will go away simply because of education and science. It cannot remain. And uh, the Hindu-Muslim conflict over a period of time, they will discover that there is no other choice. We are living together. We can't fight and you know live. Let's be friends. But the vision of the mother. For the most part, our politicians have been incapable of a close and full vision of the mother. Now, Shurabindu says something very interesting and subtle. Ranjit Singh or Guru Gobind Singh had seen only the mother of the land of the five rivers instead of Mother India. Shivaji or Baji Rao had seen a mother of the Hindus instead of Mother India. 
the other maharashtrian statesmen had seen only a mother for the maharashtrians at the time of the partition we ourselves had been blessed with the vision of the mother bengal so he says these are all portions of the divine mother but if we remain confined with it we cannot but the unified image of mother india is yet to be realized so all these are only small portions they were necessary they had some glimpse but it was a limited glimpse this we see was should been those main action during the freedom movement it's not just the revolution the main ideas what he wrote about it inspired people all this is true but before coming to pondicherry he had installed the image of the mother in the heart of indians you know by reawakening of the bande mataram turning a partition of bengal in 1905 it's actually 101 years now literally 100 years he had took it as an opportunity to unite the people only shurbindu could do this he could see a partition as a opportunity and he erected the mother of bengal and you know so much he wrote that time and that's why the two had to come back so we see actually now you know we have west bengal and we have bangladesh it's like had to happen because that labor had gone in and then of course uh, you know durga's throat etc so he had installed then when he came here in pondicherry he installed the world mother in the heart of humanity this repercussion of this will are yet to you know another 100 years probably will pass when we realize what it means to the world because already this concept of the divine mother is beginning to come in humanity it will unite humanity and then of course for those who don't want either uh, and have a bit of secular mind and you know more intellectual also open deep inside directly at the inner being shubindu once again as a gift while he was withdrawing from the physical scene outwardly once again gifted this consciousness of the divine mother in the form of savitri so at every level we see that shurbindo installed the vision of the divine mother at different levels in the consciousness of the humanity and having done that he stepped behind so in indian freedom movement installing the mother he stepped behind in the ashram installing the divine mother he stepped behind then installing putting savitri in the hands of humanity he stepped behind because he knew the rest will be done the divine mother obviously so this is what he said but the united image of mother india is yet to be realized in the congress the mother india that we hymned of course he is speaking of congress of those days but nevertheless adored and worshiped was a figure of fancy so even when we speak about you know bharat mata and with all these states and provinces it's not the true vision in fact he makes it very clear then and there a companion and obliging maid of the british raj an undivine illusion in occidental outfit <laughs> never seen anyone describing with such clarity force and directness she was indeed not our mother all the same hid in a deep or vague murkiness our true mother drew our heart and soul even through that the day we see her true indivisible image struck by her beauty and grace we shall eagerly lay down our lives in her service then this obstacle will be gone and india's unity freedom and progress be easier to achieve 
So if you really want progress of India without unity, it's not possible. Any nation, any group cannot progress if there is division because it saps away the energies in infighting. But to unite, we need a central figure. Even in our little context, the only thing that can unite us is that we are all children of the same Divine Mother. Any other thought, any other thing we bring in, it cannot unite us. But the moment we remember this, unity is bound to come. Then this obstacle will be gone. The barrier of language will no longer divide. And then Shubhindu gives us a clue. Accepting Hindi as a link language, but with due regard for one's own regional language, we shall get rid of the disability. We shall succeed in finding a, finding a true solution of the Hindu-Muslim conflict. For, a, for want of a vision of the country as the mother, the urge to do away with these obstacles has not been strongly felt. That is why the means has not been found and the conflict been growing worse. What is required is an image of the country true and indivisible. But if under the illusion of that true vision, we still cherish only the mother of the Hindus or Hindu nationalism, we shall fall for the old error. So he has made it very clear. It's a very subtle distinction that Mother India is Mother India. She carries in her lap everyone, Hindu, Muslim, believer, non-believer, all are equally her children. To each she brings out. Yes, she derives a strength from the vision of the rishis, which goes far beyond anything like a Hindu religion has conceived today. That is the vision that Mother India holds in her bosom. But that is the vision of Narayana everywhere. Even in the lowest of the low, lowly and the highest of the high. Now when we live simultaneously with this vision and not as today we think, then we will automatically, spontaneously create unity. So Sribindu also cautions that while we have to install the image of the true mother, Bharat Mata, in the heart of everyone, we should not make the mistake of thinking she is the mother of the Hindus. She is mother of everyone. But if under the illusion of the true vision, we still cherish only the mother of the Hindus or Hindu nationalism, we shall fall for the old error and deprive ourselves of the full flowering of nationalism itself. So we see that everyone today is speaking one aspect of a totality. What is needed is to bring out the total picture. And perhaps the simplest way is simply Bharat Mata Ki Jai. Without qualifying, without defining, without trying to, or Vande Matram, without really putting our own meaning into it, that it means this, it means that. It simply means we bow down to the mother. And this is there in almost every nation. And the day everyone believes that this is my mother, we are all her children, there will be a spontaneous feeling of fraternity and all this cleanliness drive, all this will find a place. We don't want to see our mother dirty. It doesn't need any law to tell us. We want to share everything with each of us because everybody is brother and sister. And finally, he says, Man is always endeavoring to give an enduring form to fraternity by creating family, clan, society, country and binding them firmly by laws and scriptures. Neither constitution nor religion can be the basis of unity. Now this is the other part because some people say, no, no, not religion. 
constitution constitution is man made it cannot become the basis of unity some people will say we don't believe in it because it's from the mind but unity comes from the heart when we love and worship the mother there is no question of this creating conflict we may have differences of opinions doesn't matter but here we are united the mind cannot unite it will debate discuss ad nauseam ad infinitum but in the heart there is unity up till now that effort has failed laws and scriptures cannot bind so he is giving both sides secular and religious efforts the basis exists and so does the form but what is needed is some inexhaustible force which will preserve the life of fraternity so that the basis remains unimpaired and the form becomes everlasting or is continually renewed basis has to be something which endures neither constitution and law nor the scriptures can be the basis god has not yet manifested that force this was of course 100 years back i'm sure by now he has manifested that force he has come down as rama krishna chaitanya rama krishna i'm glad chaitanya's name has come today is supposed to be chaitanya's happy birthday bon fete so somewhere his name has come and is preparing to transform the selfish heart of man into a fit receptacle of love this is the basis of unity love and as long as we are selfish there can be no unity regardless of any kind of legal method how far is that day when he shall descend again and make this earth a paradise by spreading eternal love and bliss and implanting it in the heart of man so this is the heart transplant we need or the heart implant instead of a selfish heart heart of eternal love and bliss so we'll stop here have something next week i'll just uh, finish by one small para i suddenly remembered something in all india magazine very interesting shobindra is written for mother on behalf of mother so it is not in mother's collected works but in shobindra's collected works so it's interesting but he writes as the mother in 1927 soon after the mother took charge of the ashram shobindra writes on behalf of the mother i am the shakti of shobindra alone and the mother of all my children shobindra is written but on behalf of the mother my children are all equally part of my consciousness and of my being when transformed and realized all will have an equal right to manifest each one an aspect of myself and shurbindo so we don't have to really look for any positions or powers and god knows what <laughs> we all will manifest something of mother and shurbindo as simple as that provided we of course look towards her and not towards other things it is the unity of all in the solidarity of common manifestation that will allow the creation of the new and divine world upon the earth each will bring his part but no part will be complete except as a power in the solidarity of the whole so we'll stop here continue next week we won't have any anything because it's 29th march so we will have playground meditation so we'll meet in april first week